It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like Big Baby Formula is at it now, as well as Big Electricity. Joining Big Meat, Big Wheat, Big Corn, Big Oil, in order to profiteer off the American people in this time of inflation. What we need is more government, more regulations, more taxes, more investigations. We need to get to the bottom of this. Well, at the bottom of this is the American Marxist movement. The long war on our economic system. People trying to make America poor, trying to destroy our capitalist system. Desperate mothers are forced to buy formula they know will make babies sick as an unprecedented shortage leaves shelves bare and prices rocket to $120 a can due to a national recall and supply crisis, reads the Daily Mail. Winter Balthrop of Tennessee says she broke down after going to six stores, calling others, as far as three hours away, they did not have her baby's formula. The Enfamil's Nutrimagen, the only formula her baby tolerates, was out of stock. Balthrop is among a growing number of mothers who have resorted to desperate options to feed their babies as America continues to struggle with the shortage. Tennessee, Texas, Missouri, Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota have been especially affected with shortages during this period. Major retailers such as CVS... Walgreens and Target have limited in-store and online purchases to up to three per buyer. Parents across the nation are now relying on strangers across straight lines who kindly buy when it's available, ship it to where it's intended, and are repaid. In your lives, did you ever think you'd see anything like this in the United States of America? I guess the answer is more abortions. That way we need less formula, right, Mr. Producer? So big baby formulas at it now. This is just disgusting. It is disgusting. I put it as in simplest terms that I know. And that is, when you kill the golden goose, the golden goose can't lay the gold eggs anymore. And that's what they're doing across the board. And when you attack the American commerce system and you attack our financial system, and you attack our fossil fuel system, you're attacking little babies who need formula, people who need energy, and on and on and on. Meanwhile, the Democrats are viciously and violently fighting their culture wars, trying to turn the United States into one massive abortion mill. And they're being egged on by Biden, the Democrat Party, Pelosi, and the media. We'll break these down one at a time. But we're having problems now with meat, wheat, corn. I read 20% less is being planted, which means at least 20% less will be harvested. Major companies are not prepared to spend the massive amount of resources, capital, necessary to drill for more wells when the government's telling them, number one, not to, despite the leases, and number two, telling them that they're going to put them out of business. So now we have electricity shortages, concerns about electricity shortages, and the response of the Biden administration is in the Department of Justice to create a new office of environmental justice. Environmental justice. Back in uh, 2009, I wrote the following. 
about envir- envirostatism in liberty and tyranny. The effects of the envirostatist agenda continue apace. This is 13 years ago. American society is now threatened by dangerous obstructions to the supply of electricity. Forbes magazine's Mark P. Mills reports that the same policies that led to the supply dislocations and price instability in oil and gas are at work in the provision of electricity. By as early as 2009, our demand for electricity will exceed reliable supply in New England, Texas, and the West. And by 2011, in New York and the Mid-Atlantic region, a failure of a power plant or a summer afternoon surge in the load could make for blackout or brownouts. The reason is most electricity is generated by coal. Anti-coal activists brag that 59 coal-fired plants were canceled in 2007. Nearly 50 more in 29 states are being contested. Nuclear power plants produce 20% of U.S. electricity, but there hasn't been a new nuclear plant started in 30 years, and licenses are expiring on existing nukes. Opponents are fighting renewal of those licenses. And the future does not look bright. President Obama's Secretary of Energy. As I wrote, Dr. Stephen Chu, a 1997 Nobel laureate in physics, is a global warming advocate, openly hostile to the use of coal and foot-dragging on expanding nuclear power. I predicted there would soon be brownouts and blackouts because you don't need to be Nostradamus. You really don't. You don't need to be Nostradamus. Now, the Wall Street Journal reports, catching up a little bit yesterday, they are, not me, electricity shortage warnings grow across the U.S. Power grid operators caution that electricity supplies aren't keeping up with demand and transition to cleaner forms of energy. From California to Texas to Indiana, electric grid operators are warning that power generating capacity is struggling to keep up with demand. A gap that could lead to rolling blackouts during heat waves or other peak periods as soon as this year. Predicted by me 13 years ago. And by the way, can you imagine if every car, every car had to be charged on electricity? Every vehicle had to be charged on electricity. Can you imagine? California's grid operator said that it anticipates a shortfall in supplies this summer especially if extreme heat, wildfires, or delays in bringing new power sources online exasperate the constraints. So everything has to work absolutely perfectly this year, this summer, for there not to be issues in California. But it doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. Nothing works that way. The Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, or MISO, which oversees a large regional grid spanning much of the Midwest, said late last month that capacity shortages may force it to take emergency measures to meet summer demand and flag the risk of outages. In Texas, where a number of power plants lately went offline for maintenance, the grid operator warned of tight conditions during a heat wave expected to last into the next week. And of course, The very people who've destroyed our energy grid and our energy system are going to say it's global warming and we need to have more of a transition. The risk of electricity shortages is rising throughout the U.S. As traditional power plants are being retired more quickly than they can be replaced by renewable energy and battery storage. Power grids are filling the strain as the U.S. makes a historic transition from conventional power plants fueled by coal and natural gas to cleaner forms of energy such as wind and solar power. And aging nuclear plants are slated for retirement in many parts of the country. But we're not pushing nuclear power, which is one of the wisest things we could do. The challenge is that wind and solar farms, which are among the cheapest forms of power generation, don't produce electricity at all times and need large batteries to store their output for latter use. While a large amount of battery storage is under development, regional grid operators have lately warned that the pace may not be fast enough to offset the closures of traditional power plants that work around the clock. The risk of outages from supply constraints comes 
Amid other challenges straining the reliability of the grid, large sustained outages have occurred with greater frequency over the past two decades, in part because the grid has become more vulnerable to failure with age and uptick in severe weather events exasperated by climate change. Told you. Now, when I wrote Liberty and Tyranny 13 years ago, they didn't call it climate change. They called it global warming. Now, of course, there's climate change. This has nothing to do with climate change. A push to electricity, home heating, and cooking, and the expected growth of electric vehicles may increase power demand in coming years, putting further pressure on the system. Duh, you don't say? California regulators on Friday said as much as 3,800 megawatts of new supplies may face delays through 2025. You know, California used to be the wealthiest state. Everybody wanted to move to California. Everybody thought that this was the land of opportunity, and it was when it was run by Republicans. Now it's losing population, and the increase in population is mostly from immigrants, including illegal immigrants. Over 40% of the population of California is first-generation or newer immigrants. And so even the population numbers are not really telling the full story there. We need to make sure that we have sufficient new resources in place and operational before we let some of these retirements go, said Mark Rethletter, chief operating officer of the California Independent System Operator, which operates the state's power grip. Otherwise, we're putting ourselves potentially at risk of having insufficient capacity. Doesn't matter. We're dealing with ideologues. Newsom. You just notice where much of these where uh, these problems are occurring. It's like nursing homes. Just do it, whatever. Now, Texas is now debating what would be a major philosophical shift for its power market, paying power generators ahead of time for resources that might be needed instead of just compensating them for actual power sold. That approach would largely benefit incumbent generators, including NRG Energy and Vistra Corp, which own numerous conventional power plants. The idea has prompted pushback from some battery and renewable energy companies. Now, here's another problem that they're not mentioning. The batteries that they want to use, in many cases, particularly in vehicles, material that's needed is mined in China. For lithium batteries. So all of this is being done. Not out of necessity. But out of ideology. And you are going to suffer. The greatest nation on the face of the earth. When at excess supplies of fuel. Excess supplies of electricity. And all forms of energy. Excess food where we had to sell it off. Where the government would buy it. where we were a meat exporter, where there were never any issues of supply chain issues. We're now backsliding because the war on capitalism, the war on commerce, the war on the private sector have been successful wars. People can try and explain this stuff away, but if you don't have a government that encourages a nation to expand and build and produce. But a government instead that has radicals at the EPA, at the Interior Department, at the Energy Department, at the, in every other department, whom have as their goal compelling the private sector to bend to their demands, this is what you get. Economic dislocation. From meat to wheat to corn to baby formula, to energy, including electricity. Electricity isn't the be-all and end-all because you need other sources of energy to create electricity. And they are destroying them. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? 
This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. All right, I'm not going to go through the entire press speech or whatever you want to call it today. But there is one 30-second clip that I do want you to listen to. Because Joe Biden takes no responsibility for what he has done. None. Cut seven, go. Do you take any responsibility for inflation in this country? Do you take any responsibility for your policies? I think our policies help, not hurt. Think about what they say. The vast majority of the of the uh, uh, of the economists think that this is going to be a real tough problem to solve, but it's not because of spending. We brought down the deficit. The bottom line is how much does America owe? How much in the hole are we going? We're reducing that. Okay. Number one, even the Washington Compost, which is utterly propagandistic and in the back pocket of Biden, has said that when he's brought down the deficit, it's not correct. So he keeps repeating these lies. That's what he learned for 36 years in the Senate. That's what he learned in law school. It's what he learned on the Wilmington City Council as a young pup out of law school. That's number one. Number two, he thinks his spending has helped with inflation. His spending has actually helped with inflation. There's not an economist, a serious economist, on the planet who believes that. None. None. And I want you to keep something in mind, please. He wanted to spend another five to six trillion dollars which would have shattered completely our economic system, completely changed the balance, which is already leaning toward government against the private sector and the private individual, would have completely changed the nature of this society, and would have created a depression. It's one thing to have a recession. It's another to have a depression. A recession is a disaster. A bad recession with stagflation a disaster, but a depression destroys a country. But then again, FDR saw it as an opportunity, as I'm sure Joe Biden and his comrades would as well. If they had gotten that through, another five to six trillion dollars on top of everything else, can you imagine what we'd be looking at today? So he can blame Putin. Who's a monster, but has nothing to do with this. He can blame, quote-unquote, big oil, big meat, big baby formula. Of course, he won't blame big government or his big mouth. And he can say that their massive spending really helps people. But he's a damn fool, and he's always been a damn fool. And so are the radicals within his party. This is a a terrible situation under a terrible, terrible president. And in his speech, he lied and he lied and he lied. And the American people need to know he has no plan. In fact, when it comes to the economy, among other things, he's an extraordinarily dangerous man who can do even greater damage to your home ownership to your salary, to your pension, to your future. We have never seen gasoline prices this high. 
Diesel is through the roof. Most 18-wheelers run on diesel. Most farm equipment runs on diesel. And the price of gasoline, I just keep watching it here. I keep watching the local station. In three days' time, it went up 10 cents a gallon. Now, folks, that can't go on forever. And that resonates throughout the economy. And it's not because big oil is ripping us off. It's because big government is ripping us off. It's because the robber barons, they're not in the private sector, they're in the government. They produce nothing except inflation. They produce nothing except regulations and taxation. You're going to raise taxes in the middle of a a burgeoning recession? I don't care who you raise taxes on. You're out of your mind. You're going to raise taxes on oil companies. Then we'll have even less oil. You're going to raise taxes on the wealthy. Well, depending on who the wealthy are, they may be a lot of these business owners, and the consequences are devastating. You don't raise taxes in the middle of a burgeoning recession. You slash taxes. That's what you do. Now, how do I know this? Well, number one, it's logical. Not ideological, logical. Number two, that's exactly what Reagan did. They tightened the money supply under Volcker, really tightened it. And they slashed taxes like never before in American history under Reagan. In August of 1989, the assassination attempt was in March 1989. Four or five months later, they had the greatest tax cut in American history. Everybody, taxes slashed. The top rate went down, I think it was 28 or 27 percent. We've never seen anything like that. He slashed the capital gains tax. They eliminated, for a period of time, the death tax. Eliminated it. Same Marxist propaganda from the Democrats and the left as usual. Tax cuts for the rich. Trickle-down economics. What do they think big government is but trickle-down government? It's not tax cuts for the rich. It's tax cuts for the economy so it can get healthy, so it has a little breathing room. Wealthy people can only spend so much, but let's pretend they spend everything. Let's pretend Elon Musk spends every penny he has. Where does it go? It goes into the pockets of other people. It goes into the pockets of other people, other industries, other businesses, other individuals, other families, other services, other producers. That's what happens. Without the government picking winners and losers. The individual picks winners and losers. That's how you create growth and technological advancement and human progress. Now, how do I know that? Look at the last hundred years. Which societies prosper? Which societies are economically successful? Which countries are actually healthy? So Biden blaming the virus, Biden blaming Putin, Biden blaming big oil, Biden blaming meat producers, Biden blaming farmers, Biden blaming truckers, Biden blaming everyone and anything in sight and taking no responsibility because he has no capacity to address any of this. They're not going to slash government regulations for more drilling. They've made that clear. They're not going to slash taxes. So you have more money to pay these higher prices. I didn't say print more money, so you have more money. They're not going to cut spending. They actually believe if they could spend another 5 or $6 trillion, they'll be helping us. That is insanity. That is a depression in waiting. A depression in waiting. We didn't have a supply chain problem under Trump. In the teeth of the virus, 
So it's not the virus that's caused the supply chain problem. It's Democrat Party policies, the Democrat agenda, their inability to confront the West Coast unions, their inability to confront the no-growth, Marxist, phony environmentalists. And rather than inability, their support for these movements. And food. It's unbelievable. We have 40% less baby formula than is needed. 40% in the United States of America. Let me add one other point. I've got dear friends, very, very close friends, who tweet a lot and say other things like, rather than spending $40 billion on Ukraine, shouldn't we be focused on the baby formula issue? Am I missing something, Mr. Producer? Rather than worrying about Ukraine, shouldn't we worry about our own border? You know, the funny thing is we Americans can walk and chew gum at the same time. What does Ukraine have to do with baby formula? If nothing in Ukraine was going on, if Russia had never invaded Ukraine, we'd have a baby formula shortage because of the policies of this administration. One has, as a logical matter, absolutely nothing to do with the other. We had a border problem long before Russia invaded Ukraine. Trump is actually addressing it. Biden's destroying our immigration laws and our protections and our security. What does one have to do with the other? Nothing. It's actually kind of idiotic. I'm not focused on any individuals. I don't even know who's tweeting. People are telling me this stuff. I don't go on Twitter much. I post, but it's not, oh, look at this comment, or look at that post. I don't read other people's tweets unless they're sent to me. That's pretty true, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Now and then I'll link to them if I get them. I have a life. I had a life when I resigned from Twitter and Facebook. I have a life now. But I'm making the point. These J.D. Vance types... No, no offense. I would vote for J.D. Vance today. I want the Republicans to take the Senate. But they're like economic illiterates. The Democrats are worse. They hate the country. They hate the country! But still, I have to call out as I see it, right? What does our border have to do with Ukraine's border? As if all of a sudden Biden would secure the border. But what does baby formula have to do with helping the Ukrainians to defeat the Russia war machine? It suggests to me that some people don't want to defeat the Russia war machine. In fact, we should be doing more because Taiwan is the next target. We need to build up the Taiwanese defenses. And Iran, that's a, that's a massive disaster that Biden has created. Mark. Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Inflation now is out of control. I will tell you that when the numbers come in with the GDP, I think the GDP will have shrunk again and we will be officially in a recession. But let me tell you something. We are in a recession. The question is how bad it's going to be, and it's going to be bad. Biden and the Democrats decided to attack every aspect of productivity right out of the box with executive orders and regulations, with threats, and that's exactly what they've done. When you attack fossil fuels, natural gas, which is used to produce fertilizer, and fertilizer, which is used to produce food, And when you attack diesel fuel, which is used in 18-wheelers and tractors and other machines that harvest wheat and corn and so forth and so on, the consequences become dire. Rather than having a government, a government that supports the strengths of our economic system, a government that is rational when it comes to energy production, we have ideologues. 
In the case of Biden, the man who wants to create a legacy for himself, wanted to be the next Franklin Roosevelt. God forbid, because if he is, we're going to have a 10-year depression. Among other disasters. Inflation, 8.3% in April, year to year. Remains at a 40-year high. Two-thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck as inflation continues to climb. Grocery store prices are up 10.8%. They've been going up 17 months in a row, last time I checked, long before Russia invaded Ukraine. Most in nearly 42 years. As Americans face higher prices on hamburger meat, baby food, chicken, bacon, soup, coffee, eggs, you name it, across the board. Now, here's something that needs to be said. It's actually worse than the government reports. You see, the government tries to cover its tracks, so its so-called economists and experts have been changing the way we measure the consumer price index, that is inflation to you, for years. The Yankee Institute pointed this out about four or five months ago. So they announced 8.3% year to year. That's a rate that hasn't been seen in 40 years. According to some economists, the reality is much worse. Could leave senior citizens and others who rely on Social Security benefits and pensions in a very tough spot. That's because the standard measurement for inflation, the CPI, has undergone various revisions in how inflation is calculated since the 1940s. The sixth and most recent comprehensive revision came in 1998 according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but there have been numerous small changes over the years as well. According to Investopedia, for several years there's been controversy over the CPI, whether it overstates or understates inflation and how it's measured, whether it's an appropriate proxy for inflation. Noting that some critics see the current inflation measurement as a purposeful manipulation that allows the United States to report a lower inflation rate, CPI, and therefore report a healthier economy. The Bureau of Labor Statistics is more responsible for taming inflation than the Federal Reserve because of their rejiggering of the mathematical algorithm, said Chief Economist of Data Corp Partners, LLC, Donald Klepper Smith. Back in 1980, your consumer price index inflation was 13.5%. And had we been using the algorithm from 1980, we'd be looking at, and I'm going to apply this to the current numbers, over 15% today. Over 15%. Klepper Smith says the measurement in the early 80s wasn't perfect either, possibly overstating inflation. But since then, the measurement has been corrected so many times that it is now understating the effect of price increases. He said it's not measuring the cost of living anymore. It's measuring the cost of surviving, and barely at that, and barely at that. This has been to the advantage of the U.S. government because they're paying out far less in transfer payments. And he points to a website called John, excuse me, John Williams Shadow Government Statistic, run by economist and consultant Walter John Williams and offers inflation measurements based on the algorithms used in both the 1980s and 1990s. Today's inflation would be well over 15%. And this economist, Williams, is critical of the federal government's new methodologies, arguing today's measurements artificially lower reported inflation. Now, that's why you feel it worse than they reported. According to the BLS, energy experienced the highest overall price increase, over a third, with the price of gasoline and heating oil approaching over 60%. The cost of used cars grew over 30%. 
and we could go on. Housing, and of course, food. So the picture is much worse. It sounds bad enough, but it's much worse. And it's much worse because the Democrats did this. Their policies are intentional. And now they're trying to run away from the consequences. And yet they told us what the consequences would be. Americans consume too much fuel, so they wanted to drive up the cost of fuel. Barack Obama wanted to shut down coal plants creating electricity. Now there's warnings this summer that we could have brownouts and blackouts in many parts of the United States. It's gotten so bad that even Newsom in California, rather than shut down the last of their nuclear power plants, is reconsidering shutting it down. We need more modernized nuclear power plants, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we need. And yet, that's not what we're getting. I need somebody to tell me who believes in transitioning to new energy. Where do we go to find information on this new energy? Solar, wind, and so forth. And how do we get it? Don't tell me about solar panels on your roof or windmills in your backyard. How are we going to move trains and planes and automobiles? Electricity? There's not going to be enough electricity. Electricity relies on fossil fuels. Coal, nuclear power, natural gas, oil. Electricity doesn't create electricity. Wouldn't that be fascinating? But where is this technology exactly? What country has it? We don't have it. And so they want us to drop the energy that we're using to embrace something that simply does not exist. What is going to move the 18-wheelers? We don't have batteries powerful enough to move a truck from one end of the country to the other with a massive load of food and other products. We don't have jets, passenger jets or other jets that can work off electricity. Where are these things? Well, we need to have more pressure, you see. So keep driving up the cost of fuel, and then they blame the very industries that are going to go out of business if these radicals succeed for not creating the very energy that they don't want created. What kind of a model is this? What kind of a policy is this? And then they blame the consequences of their insanity on the people who are victimized by it. It's going to be you soon. It's going to be you, that you're expecting too much, that you're using too much, that you're eating too much. It's going to be you. Because fundamentally, you're the consumer. How many times did Barack Obama say, it's in my book, Liberty and Tyranny, that we're 3% of the world's population but we use 20-25% of the world's resources. You need to understand this is what the climate change movement is about. It's a degrowth movement. It's a war on the use of energy. It's the war on the consumption of food. That's what it is. The price of red meat's going through the roof. They don't want you to eat red meat. Remember all that? They don't want you to eat it. Methane, you know. Methane from cows and from you. The radicalism, the extremism, the insanity 
And these are the consequences. So they rejigger the inflation numbers to make it look better than it is, as bad as it is. They divert attention from their own policies, blaming Putin, who's to be blamed for slaughter and genocide and an unprovoked attack on a free people. But it has nothing to do with the price of our fuel. We were energy independent. We weren't relying on Russia or Venezuela or Saudi Arabia. That's what it means to be energy independent. And they sued the oil companies, claiming that they were creating climate change. They sued the oil companies, lying about fracking, that it was destroying underwater reservoirs, when it was doing no such thing. As I say over and over again, the reason the Democrats can't fix any of this is because they caused it. And they're not going to reverse course. You have to force them out of office and reverse course. Two-thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck as inflation continues to climb. We have not seen anything yet. Nothing. For what about is about to occur. I read that 20% of what needs to be harvested in late summer, early fall, if I'm correct about that, 20% will not be planted. So I have 80% of what we need to feed ourselves. 80%. We know this already. Not because of climate change. Not because of what's going on in Europe. But because what the Democrats did, and Biden did, to energy independence. Fertilizer requires oil. Sounds weird, but it's true. Steel mills require oil. Automobile manufacturing, uh, manufacturing, as a matter of fact, assembly lines require oil. Fuel to function. Trucks require diesel to get from one end of the country to the other, as we discussed earlier this week. So the prices are going up even more on diesel. Joe Biden claims to be president of the United States. Is he acting like a member when Harry Truman said the box, buck stops here? Joe Biden spent trillions and trillions of dollars. And for him, the trillions of dollars don't even stop with him. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Every morning, when my wife is perhaps off doing somewhere else or in another town, I go to the local diners. And I did the last two mornings. And there's a couple... Older ladies, you know, I'm 64, I guess a little bit older than me, not necessarily a ton. And they work their butts off. They're waitresses. And they earn just a little bit of money, and most of the money they earn, of course, is from tips. I have never seen them so worried in my life. I've gotten to know them just by showing up from time to time. And I leave significant tips because I can see that they're stressed. And the one said to me, I can't afford to fill up my car anymore. It was $110. 
And the same food I bought for about 50 or $60 just a year or so ago is now $100. Now, many of you know this because you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're on minimum wage and so forth and so on. But there's other Americans who see these things happening but are not living paycheck to paycheck. I am not. But I see what's happening. And at some point, everybody's impacted by this. When there are shortages. When there's economic dislocation. It's just that some are hurt faster than others. Some are hurt worse than others. But inflation knows no friends. And I felt terrible for these ladies. At the same time, I said, it's a diner. And so the guy who owns the diner, he can't be sure if he's going to be getting the food supplies and the other supplies, even napkins. So the pricing is unstable. The, the provisions of the products unreliable and that is a disaster in an economic system so we're having shortages huge price spikes the value of the dollar meaning your income or your pension whatever is shrinking expenses are going up and the only thing Biden can do is blame the Republicans Blame the virus, blame Putin, and say that he's ordered an investigation of the baby formula companies, and he's the fertilizer companies, the oil companies, the meat companies. Ladies and gentlemen, do you really think that all these businesses and all the employees working for them are conspiring against you? Because you have to believe that if you believe what this administration is saying. Or do you believe that they are absolutely incompetent and don't have the foggiest idea what they're doing and they're making matters not worse, but disastrous. Disastrous. And it's going to get worse and more disastrous. Let's look at this baby formula issue. As the Daily Mail puts out, Abbott Laboratories said it could be 10 weeks before baby formula is restocked. That's two and a half months by my calculation. Well, guess what? Babies can't wait that long. Once given FDA approval, Abbott's Michigan plant could reopen in two weeks. But the company said it'll take six to eight weeks to replenish its supply. So the plant closed in mid-February amid reports of infant illness and death. Four infants, two died, two got sick. The plant closed in mid-February. After a thorough review of all the available data, Abbott said there is no evidence to link our formulas to these infant illnesses. No evidence. So what is the FDA doing? It's sitting on its hands. It's keeping this plant closed. Now, if Donald Trump were president, he would override the FDA and and order the plant to be opened. But Biden's in the Oval Office. And he won't do it. Congress is going to hold a hearing. The Democrats control the House and the Senate in two weeks. Not tomorrow. Not Monday, not in two weeks to look at the formula shortage. To look at the formula shortage. So the FDA, the Biden administration, and now the Democrats running Congress, they're putting the lives of these babies in danger. It's that simple. It's that simple. And Congress, this Congress, and this president want more and more control over your lives. They think they can run every industry. 
investigate them, threaten them, interfere with them, shut them down? What is this? Meanwhile, as you've probably heard by now, a Republican representative who happens to sit on the Homeland Security Committee, Kat Kamak, Republican of Florida. Kat, C-A-M-M-A-C-K. She's being told by the Border Patrol that they're holding pallets, not boxes, pallets of baby formula being sent by the federal government to these border facilities for the illegal alien children who cross into the country. They're sending pallets, pallets, a baby formula to the border. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Americans working, Americans with kids, they can't find baby formula. And this representative Kamek posted pictures to social media of empty formula shelves in Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, they're empty everywhere. They're empty everywhere. And she even pointed out that the photos were from the Ursula Processing Facility in Texas, where thousands are being housed as Fox Wright and processed and then released. She said the concerned agent told her that she would not believe the shipment I just brought in. Shipments, pallet upon pallet upon pallet of baby formula. He's been a Border Patrol agent for 30 years, the congresswoman said, and he has never, ever seen anything quite like this. He's a grandfather. He's saying that his own children can't get baby formula. U.S. Customs and Border Protection didn't immediately respond to a Fox request. 100 House Republicans called on the Biden administration to do more to address the ongoing shortage. This is an issue of life and death. It's time this administration treats it with the appropriate uh, urgency it deserves, the GOP said. So this, this baby formula facility, Abbott, in Michigan, has been closed since February. That's almost three months ago, give or take. And this administration does nothing. Nothing effective. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. Protection of federal judges, including, of course, Supreme Court justices is the obligation, ultimately, of the United States Department of Justice. It is a federal responsibility. Remember when we talked about Garland and his memo, and the parents and school boards, that that was fundamentally a state and local law enforcement responsibility. We discussed this at great length. Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice had no constitutional statutory basis of any kind to get involved in school board meetings, whether they're violent or not, and of course they weren't. Now when it comes to federal officials, whether they be justices or judges, jurors or witnesses or court officers, It is not just primarily. It is the responsibility of federal law enforcement to protect them. And Congress even passed a law. United States Code Title 18, Section 1507, which I've read to you a few times now. Now, unlike federalizing abortion that's not in the Constitution, nor is it in any federal statute. This is actually a federal statute written in black and white for the most incompetent Marxist 
to understand. Whoever, with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer, in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for not more than one year or both. Here's what Chuck Schumer said at a press conference today. Hat tip C-SPAN, cut 13, go. Are you comfortable with the protests that we saw outside the homes of Supreme Court justices over the weekend? If protests are peaceful, yes. My house is, there's protests three, four times a week outside my house. That's okay. The, the Amer- that has nothing to do with Title 18, Section 1507. Now this clown's supposed to be a lawyer. It has nothing to do with it. He's not a judge, juror, witness, or court officer discharging his duties. He's a politician. That's the difference. He's a politician. There's nothing in here that says that except for peaceful protests, whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, and so forth. None of that applies to Chuck Schumer, but it applies the black-letter law to these justices. And it is the absolute responsibility and obligation of the United States Department of Justice with its vast federal law enforcement with its U.S. attorneys to ensure that these justices are protected and the people who are at their homes are arrested and prosecuted. We're not talking about trespass here, as has been applied to scores of January 6th protesters. Again, I'm not talking about the violent protesters. Trespassers on Capitol Hill property, parading on Capitol Hill property. This is a federal statute. And we know the purpose is to influence the justices. It's to threaten them and pressure them. Because Nancy Pelosi told us so. Because one Democrat member of Congress after another has told us so. Because one host on CNN and MSNBC after another has told us so. Because their guests have told us so. Because the New York Times and the Washington Post have told us so. Now this is what we're dealing with. The totalitarian mindset of the American Marxist left. And you'll notice that these media personalities, these media entertainers, if you will, say exactly the same thing as the Democrats do, because they're one and the same. They say exactly the same thing as one of the other says. The same talking points. So Chuck Schumer is comfortable with his mob, his ready mob, his permanent mob, violating federal law. I want you to listen to this again. Cut 13. Go. Are you comfortable with the protests that we saw outside the homes of Supreme Court justices over the weekend? If protests are peaceful, yes. 
My house is, there's protests three, four times a week outside my house. That's the, uh, the American way to peacefully protest is okay. And I've been, that's my wife, sorry. Um, maybe there's a protest outside. But so, so as long oh, as they Oh, it's so funny that Sam Alito and his family have to go into hiding. Oh, it's so funny, ladies and gentlemen. And they're the clapping seals media. They're laughing quite along. Oh, his wife is calling. Sure, she's a beauty. Go ahead. Peaceful. That's that's okay with me. That's okay with him. So peaceful is not an element in this statute. It's the protest. It's the protest that's illegal. Because the goal of the protest is to interfere with justice. The goal with the protest is to obstruct and impede justice. The goal of the protest is to influence the outcome of Supreme Court cases. That's why they're protesting. That's what they've told us in plain English. And the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, hasn't lifted one of his arthritic fingers in opposition. Not one. They couldn't get that memo out fast enough to trash parents across the country where he had no basis whatsoever, no jurisdiction of any kind. But here he is, sitting on his arthritic fingers, refusing to do a damn thing because all of his people are busy prosecuting January 6th paraders and trespassers. What are you going to do about this, Mr. Garland? And where is the FBI director, Mr. Ray? Truly a pathetic public nuisance. Where are you, Mr. Ray? You run the Federal Bureau of Investigation. How come you're not arresting people? Where's the criminal division of the Justice Department? Where's the United States Attorney's offices in these various jurisdictions? Where are they? They're nowhere. That order must come from on high. From Merrick Garland himself, a.k.a. Meritless Garland himself. Doing nothing to protect these justices. Doing nothing to protect their families. This is a disgusting failure to uphold the Constitution, because Article 2 of the Constitution compels Biden as president and his administration to take care that the laws of the country, that the Constitution of the country is enforced. Regardless of their personal opinions, there's a number of Supreme Court decisions on this, but we don't really need one. The language is clear in Article 2. They have an obligation to take care that the Constitution is upheld and federal law is enforced. Whether they like it or not. They don't like the immigration laws, so they're not enforcing them. Those are impeachable offenses. Each and every time it's an impeachable offense, another count. They agree with the protesters threatening Supreme Court justices. They're not threatening the, the activist justices. They're threatening the six Republicans. That's fine by Schumer. As long as they're peaceful. But the law doesn't say that. Because their goal, it's not a matter of peaceful is to influence the outcome of a court decision. The Democrat Party hates this country. Hates the country. Hates the Constitution. Abuses it to try and advance their cause. Destroys the Constitution in the name of the Constitution. Destroys liberty in the name of liberty. We have a clear federal statute here, not one that some left-wing judge in Washington, D.C. has to twist into pretzels in order to throw January 6th peaceful protesters who were parading on the Capitol Hill lawn into jail. We've got one black and white right here. And they won't do anything. 
They have fools like Nita Totenberg over at National Pubic Radio. I remember her when I served in the Department of Justice. She is a left-wing radical hack. In my opinion, she's a fraud. She's a Democrat disguised as a journalist, but aren't they all? She surmises it must be a conservative clerk who leaked the first draft. And the rationale is as sound as the rationale that the, that the Russians and the Russia collusion argument worked like hell to get Trump elected president. How many times did I say behind this microphone, why would they want Trump as president when they get Hillary Clinton who will give them everything they want? Because they didn't want Trump elected, and they didn't help him. So the very premise never made any sense. Well, the very premise that a conservative clerk would have leaked this makes no sense. But this, of course, is what the corrupt media do. They're like Pasaki, who all, during her press conference, made an ass out of herself. as she gets ready to join the other asses at MSNBC. That's right. It's a federal law that prohibits what's taking place in front of these justices' homes for the reason the law says and the Department of Justice in its entirety has assigned itself to the Witness Protection Program. We're living in grave and dire times, ladies and gentlemen. Grave and dire times. And Merrick Garland, Meritless Garland, is a piece of shingles. May I say a piece of shingles, Mr. Producer? 